Welcome to our latest episode of FCM Perspectives in the Soundbite series. In today's episode, we welcome Joe Andres, Senior VP, FCM Americas, for Perspectives from 30,000 Feet. Today is August 7th, 2020, and I'm your host, Ben Johnson. Over the past few months, we have seen some dynamic shifts in the airline industry as they implement various measures to combat the COVID pandemic. Drawing from Joe's insights, we'd like to help sort through some of that noise that permeates the news cycle and see clarity on a few key themes that are emerging. As always, we hope that you'll find this episode helpful and walk away with a few good nuggets of information. Without further delay, I'd like to welcome my wonderful boss to this podcast today. Thanks for joining, Joe. Well, thank you, Ben. It's great to participate in this podcast. And um, wow, great introduction. Thank, thank you for that. Absolutely. So give us a really quick overview of your role at FCM. Sure. So um, currently I am the uh, uh, in charge and responsible for our account management team in the Americas, uh, in addition to the consulting group, uh, also known as Ford, uh, 4D, Fourth Dimension. Um, the account management team obviously works with um, all of our key customers and also participates in securing new business. Um, the 4D consulting group works uh, specifically on uh, a lot of the solutions for our customers in addition to um, participating in many of the supplier negotiations, um, working with several of the tools um, that we have, but uh, work directly with customers and also with customers that need assistance around the airline industry, hotel and car, as far as questions to be answered. Well, that's a perfect segue because without question, anyone that knows you would say that you have a huge passion for the airline industry. And so I'm really interested in your perspectives on the state of the market, particularly around there's a lot of questions floating around about carrier financial viability and and what the networks Mm -hmm. will look like in the the short to medium term. Sure. So, yeah, there was definitely a passion for it um, with my background um, being coming through the airline and working for some pretty very, very interesting uh, leaders in, uh, in the business. And um, which is kind of gets into where we are. We'll talk a little bit about where we are today with the, the carriers. So, you know, you've got the three majors uh, for the most part with some other carriers um, really, uh, I think in a very interesting position too. So between Delta Airlines, American Airlines uh, and United, uh, you've got those three plus their networks that they bring as part, part of their alliance, you know, Delta with the Sky Team, American with One World, uh, United um, with Star. Uh, they just bring a very interesting and uh, just a broad dynamic and a global reach that's just uh, amazing. Uh, with that, you also have carriers like Southwest, um, who's dabbled in a little bit of transborder um, flying, and other carriers like Alaska and JetBlue are really niche players within the U.S. But in particular, we'll speak for the North American carriers. It's been a really challenging, it's, it's challenging for everybody. But um, I'll, I'll just kind of stay with those three and then we'll dabble in a little bit of talk a little bit about um, Southwest, Alaska and JetBlue. But, you know, they're, they're suffering in a lot of ways. Uh, first of all, you have you know, to run an airline, it, it just takes an enormous, enormous amount of capital. Uh, it's a major capital investment. They just burn through money. Uh, just on a daily basis, if you think about fuel and the cost of the aircraft, you're talking millions of dollars a day. And if you don't have the revenue coming through with these tickets, 
uh, and passengers traveling, it, it becomes very, they have fixed costs that are just, you know, they're, they're astronomical, um, which then puts them in a very interesting place. Um, you know, we had the CARES Act that just came in to assist them uh, through some of the challenges that CARES Act comes to an end, the, some of the financing in October. So I think that's going to be another phase for where um, those three particular, and in particular also two, I should say, Southwest, uh, what they're going to feel going forward with some of their um, employees. So a lot of the things they're doing right now is how do you conserve cash, but also at the same time being you know mindful, respectful of safety, which is always the ultimate with these carriers, is how do I run a safe airline, but also at the same time, you know, conserve cash, try to save as many jobs as I can, work with the unions, and then and then also how can we ramp up when demand returns and then what is the customer looking for in order to get that ramp up yeah and you touch on um american and, and JetBlue. that whole piece around american making moves for um you know the connectivity with JetBlue and alaska how does that sort of fit into to that piece from your perspective sure um i think it was a very interesting move you see what delta has done from a network perspective and united have done you know delta has just done a phenomenal job up in the Northeast with Boston in particular, their growth, adding metal, partnering with Virgin Atlantic, um, what they've done at JFK, their growth there. Um, you know, they really expanded also in their um, trans, uh, you know, transatlantic to and trans Pacific to some degree from many of their markets and also do this just transcontinental flying. It, it's, I mean, they've, they've done some really interesting moves from uh, a network perspective and have been very good and very aggressive about it, uh, very customer focused. Interesting thing now is American goes, at, where, where American was probably struggling a little bit with some of the, the um, blank spots they had on the network, in particular Boston, and what they, they kind of retrenched in Boston a little bit. Uh, they really built out their Philadelphia hub and have done some great things in Philly uh, as far as their transatlantic. And then, you know, they're, they have just a, their dominant presence in what they do in Charlotte and Dallas. Very great. I mean, phenomenal connecting hubs. <clears throat> and then they always battle in uh, obviously Chicago and the West Coast, given L.A. But what this brings is an interesting dynamic is the. Uh, presence of JetBlue on the East Coast, and you have Alaska, which has such a phenomenal customer service um, uh, reputation to the West Coast, and really a good network on the West Coast. So you bring those two, and now you have this core of American in the middle, uh, which then it makes them a different player from a connect connectivity and marketing perspective in Boston. It, it makes them definitely different and a, a look and feel in the New York metropolitan area. And then at the same time, you know, how do you battle the West coast uh, and LA in particular um, is very challenging. And this does give, you know, Alaska has a phenomenal network and a, and a presence within that uh, Western corridor uh, between Seattle, um, San Francisco, LA, and down into San Diego. So, you now bring, you know, the East and the West together with connecting hubs like Chicago, Dallas, and um, Charlotte. It, it does 
pose an interesting dynamic to what the network potentially could look like as it grows and competes with Delta and United. Yeah, and I think these you know strategic moves are obviously very interesting and in, in what sort of strategy they're sort of playing out here. It's probably asking a crystal ball question, but do you foresee any further mergers or financial difficulties for any of the large players at this point, or is it still very much... Well, I I would just say the crystal ball is we need a vaccine. We need therapeutics to get people comfortable to get back on airplanes again. And like I said at at the beginning, uh, they have such fixed costs. There are going to be challenges going forward if they do not get additional assistance or they cannot, you know, uh, the restructuring for themselves at this point. You know, they have to carry those costs. So something's going to give here. Um, and who, you know, it's hard to tell at this point. I, I look at a guy, uh, a carrier like Southwest, you know, they're positioned pretty well, uh, made, you know, large capitalization and funding. Um, they're primarily domestic. So their exposure to the international market is limited. Uh, their fl- fleet is simplified. Uh, you know, they've changed uh, some of their approach too in the side of cor- how, when corporate returns, uh, how to work with corporations. So I think that's a kind of one to look at. I say between the Southwest and the American Airlines with Delta, or I'm sorry, American Airlines with JetBlue and also with Alaska. It's going to be interesting how those two kind of work. And I'm really anxious to when we can kind of return back to some normal normalcy with travel to see how those those carriers um, can either sustain and kind of leapfrog some others or can, you know, really um, deliver some interesting product. And that, you know, the product I think is going to be the key differentiator to going into this, not just the network. Uh, But going back to your question about, you know, where the carriers will go from a cost or, you know, for for some troubles, this cannot continue on, you know, with the uh, supply and demand. So it's not, it's a slow, gradual progression to getting to some sort of fleet or network normalcy, but you know, time will tell. And it's, and if the carriers can't, you know, don't receive, I think, additional assistance here, we'll, we'll see some challenges with some of them. Yeah, and so much of, of it really touches around that traveler confidence. And so yeah. we hear so much about it in the news cycle around cleaning, social distancing, middle seats, and it, and it really all fills into that bucket of traveler confidence. And I think there's starting to be a bit of a, delineation happening between the carriers. Um, and so I'm interested in your thoughts around where you see that, hap- you know, delineation sure. happening. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And, and what we hear from our customers is, you know, safety always is, is the top priority, but also too now just the customer experience uh, is very, very important in the feedback. And in the event that customers are required to travel, uh, or they're essential travelers, and and when they want, you know, travel managers and the and the businesses uh, determine it is uh, appropriate for for additional travel to start. I truly believe you, you know, the um, approach that Delta has taken with the whole new care standard, uh, cleanliness standards they put out there with protocol. United has done the same thing in American. You know, I thought it was really interesting too. They've all kind of partnered too with companies like Delta partners with Lysol and the CDC to come out with and assist them in these standards. United partners with Clorox and the Cleveland Clinic 
come up with uh, guidance for protocol. American Airlines, you know, partners with Vanderbilt uh, University and their medical center about uh, regarding um, their cleanling, uh, clean standards that are out there. I, I truly believe it is, is not something, it's just a flash in the pan. It, you know, Delta's created a, a, a position at a VP level that oversees this whole cleanliness standard and they, it, it is part of their culture now. I, I've seen it. Uh, I've, I've chatted with them several times. I've, I've been down to Atlanta to see what they've done. Um, it's pretty phenomenal. It's, you know, same thing with United with Clorox and in um, American now with the you know with the uh, Vanderbilt University. So all of these carriers have created these standards of cleanliness that should give travelers a comfort that they're doing all the right thing. You know, they talk about the HEPA filters on the aircraft, and those HEPA filters alone, you know, pretty much uh, give a, an air quality and a standard that is that of, a, of um, you know, the hospital, you know, the airlines have just adopted a new standard, which everybody should feel good about and comfortable with. And it will carry into when this pandemic ends. And it, it is going to be a better product for all of us to experience. And it really does, I think, set forth, you know, those standards, as you say, moving forward. And so <clears throat> travelers can really feel that, you know, the, the aircraft has been clean. The only thing it really won't protect you against is when you're, uh, the person behind you takes off those shoes and stocks and sticks their foot <laughs> through the, the armrest piece. That's the only thing it's not going to protect you against. That's all, those are all the fun things that occur when you're on a flight. But everybody's <laughs> going to wear a mask. Yeah, everybody's going to wear a mask now. And, that's, and you know, there is a, a no-fly list. And I, in particular, I saw, you know, Delta had put one out there um, that, hey, look, you don't wear a mask. You're not allowed on these aircraft. And everybody's put or taking that approach. I would say at least the, the three carriers here or four carriers, five carriers that we've been talking about. And, you know, within and if, the, if travelers abide by these rules, you know, there is a normal that we can work within and, and travel. And that's what I think everybody's itching to do. Uh, get back to work. Uh, and, and try to get these uh, the carriers, you know, as they're starting to bring some of these aircraft back into the fleet um, will be a good thing for all. And so absent a vaccine um, for the short term, if I'm a travel manager, a procurement manager, or anyone who has a stake in, in, in this whole space, are there any things that you would recommend based on what we've talked about that they should be watching out for or considering um, to take some information from today's podcast? You know, yes, I, I think uh, the whole preparedness that, um, you know, duty of care is always the uh, top of the list for travel managers uh, within their, uh, you know, the culture of their business. And everybody has either, you know, there, there are those um, companies that have essential travelers. So they, there are people traveling. We have customers that are out there that really have never stopped. So there is a very strict protocol that they have to follow from their pre-trip approvals uh, on. So, you know, you just take that traveler framework. We have, a, we, we put this document out there and I'm happy to repost it with this um, podcast, but that traveler framework really does give you the guidelines that sh should be um, used or could be used um, to start uh, to reinvest into the travel program. But it is up to those customers and, you know, ourselves, we have our client advisory group and uh, we're, we look to them for their guidance and, and each company is a little bit different and those guidelines. And, but going back to your question, it's going to, it really depends on that customer and what they need, what their kind of essential travel is required 
And we have built, and, and uh, like I said, the Traveler Framework to leaf, give guidelines and guidance in the sense of getting customers comfortable again to go back to travel. Excellent. Well, we could talk forever um, because we know you have so much information <laughs> in this space, but really appreciate you joining us today. And that takes us to the close of our podcast today. So thank you everyone for listening and be sure to, be sure to join us again in our continued series of FCM Perspectives. Thanks, Ben.